want to welcome viewers and listeners to this um, episode on Merit Systems Protection Board. I am going to depart from our review of the adjudicated guidelines for security clearance matters. And uh, we last uh, left off with guideline B and guideline F. Guideline B, as you know, is foreign influence and foreign preference. And guideline F is financial concerns. We intend to pick up where we left off, but uh, today's case is kind of an emergency podcast for those of you that are federal employees and you have been treated uh, poorly by the federal government. You've been suspended, terminated, uh, or you've been given a downgrade. There are a variety of actions the government can take against you and you don't agree and you are confronted with the Merit System Protection Board as an option to seek relief. And I might add, it's a very good option if done correctly. Today's case, though, is uh, has been uh, classified as an MSPB nightmare. What happens is many of you that are federal employees uh, talk to HR and you talk to coworkers, and you decide to file your own Merit Systems Protection Board action. And um, you suddenly submit yourself to an incredible number of rules and regulations. And the rules and regulations are indeed very strict and very precise. So today, I wanted to talk to you about an actual case. This is attorney Alan Edmonds. As you know, my law firm, the Edmonds Law Firm, practices Merit System Protection Board law across the United States. Uh, we help people from California to Washington, D.C. We have offices in Texas, North Carolina, and Florida. And we've been doing this for over 45 years. Our attorneys are litigators, and uh, we enjoy the courtroom. But most importantly, we enjoy representing clients and winning cases. Many cases can settle prior to a hearing. Others go on to a hearing. And uh, that means that if you represent yourself, you are going to be tasked with uh, preparing a contested case for the trial and uh, preparing a trial notebook and preparing evidence and responding to motions. It's a very daunting task. In any event, uh, I'm just going to give a brief overview of the Merit System Protection Board uh, process, which is uh, <clears throat> something that you will confront if you try and do this yourself, and I hope you don't. Uh, statistically, uh, people that represent themselves do not do well before MSPB. But the uh, story begins with you filling out the MSPB Form 185-1. And that's the appeal form. And uh, you have to fill this out and you have to list with precision the allegations and uh, the events that uh, have given rise to the action, the adverse action that the government has taken against you. So you fill this form out, uh, MSPB Form 185. And uh, when our law firm represents people, we uh, also attach uh, 
a 10 to 15 page brief of the issues. And it begins with the initial appeal. And of course, it includes the statement of facts. And then we uh, dive into uh, the law and arguments and relief. That in and of itself is uh, an exercise that the average person cannot do adequately. And you have to realize that what you submit to the MSPB is filed on the portal and remains there. And so if you made mistakes, if you uh, were inaccurate in your assertions, if your evidence is not uh, filed to support the allegations, then you've created a poorly drafted document that the government will file a motion on to have it summarily dismissed. So there could be a very rapid end or conclusion to your case. One of the most prevalent actions that the government files almost routinely is called lack of jurisdiction. And that simply says that you have no right under the facts to file this action under the MSPB section. Uh, we are expert at filing responses to loss of jurisdiction. It's a very hard motion to overcome. We have done it several times, and you can call us at 800-481-2526 for help. So the case today starts out with a very uh, nice woman who is a 16-year federal employee, and uh, she decided to represent herself before the MSPB. She worked at the Department of Veterans Affairs, and she filed her own action. The action immediately gave rise to a motion from the government for um, lack of jurisdiction. And the government served upon this woman interrogatories, written interrogatories. They served on her, in addition, a written request for production of documents. And... Um, they also set the matter for a settlement conference, a preliminary case management conference, I should say. And uh, there was just a number of things that she had to respond to formally. She got overwhelmed by the process. She was a bright woman, but she got overwhelmed, had never prepared pleadings before. And so she was late with the responses. And being late for the responses gave rise to a motion to compel. The government said, you didn't give us what we wanted, and so we're going to file a motion to compel. Now, a motion to compel can have teeth, so to speak. It can ask for sanctions or an attorney's fees. It can ask for a dismissal of some of the causes of action. And uh, it can even ask for uh, sanctions in the form of issue sanctions. That is a discussion that is for another day. I'm not going to get into the legal definition of all of these potential responses, but it gives you an idea that you're wading into deep water. This woman was dealing with the judge and the U.S. attorney herself, the attorney for MSPB, and the judge became uh, exasperated and said, uh, I'm going to suspend the proceedings for 30 days, and you should get an attorney. So she found us on the internet, 
under Alan Edmonds and uh, Edmonds Law. We do MSPB. We do Merit Systems Protection Board. Uh, we do security clearance work and uh, military work. And she called us, and we took the case over. She had really dug herself into a hole, and uh, we discovered that uh, there are many adverse things going on in the case that she didn't understand. So we took the case over, and uh, we answered the interrogatories. We did uh, a response to the request for production of documents, and uh, we also propounded and sent out our own discovery to the government, which she had not done. It took considerable time to straighten the case out, and we asked the judge for a continuance to get all this filed because when she retained us, she had only five days left to meet the deadlines that the judge had imposed. In addition to all this, the government had also set her deposition. And of course, she was not prepared for a deposition. She didn't know what was going to happen, what questions were going to be asked of her. She didn't know how to respond to the questions. And uh, so she hired us to also handle the deposition. And we are pleased to do so. This is a typical case. This is not an exception. This is a typical case with the MSPB, and it's what you can expect when you try and represent yourself. You know, I've been doing this for 45 years, and a lot of people don't realize what's at risk. What's at risk is your job, and then your future, and then a tremendous amount of money in lost salary and damages that you might have recovered had you presented the case properly. There are, are so many pitfalls in the MSPB process that victimize appellants. And appellants are you, the employee who's been wronged by a federal agency. In this case, the judge um, issued an order that he wanted this woman to acknowledge. He acknowledged that he had received her petition for appeal. And uh, he, he then went through the rights that she had. And it's called a notice to the appellant about her right to have a hearing and her right to designate a representative, which is a lawyer. Then he explained to her that you have discovery rights as uh, the form says on page two of his order, quote, discovery is the procedure you may use to learn of any facts, documents, or other evidence the agency has that might be helpful to your case. That's a great statement. But how do you put that into operation? How do you, as the appellant, file the necessary forms to dig out from the government all the documents and facts that could be favorable to your case. And uh, the judge goes on to say, if you wish to engage in discovery, initial requests or motions must be served on the other party within 30 days of this order. Throughout this whole judicial order by the judge, 
which uh, consists of several pages, are deadlines. Every time you turn around, this judge is issuing a deadline that must be met or you suffer serious consequences, which is uh, the dismissal or termination of your action. So you have a 30-day deadline for discovery. You have a 10-day deadline to determine and identify the lawyer that you want to represent. Um, You have deadlines and requirements for the type of documents that must be filed. The judge tells you they have to be on eight and a half by 11 inch paper and properly formatted. And there's numerous requirements for the preparation of the pleadings. And he goes on to tell you that your exhibits have to be tabbed. And he tells you how the tab has to be uh, prepared and what it must say. And then he gets into uploading documents to the portal at MSPB. Um, throughout this order, the judge has made it crystal clear that the individual employee, the federal employee who's called the appellant, is going to be treated just as if they were an attorney. So a lot of people think, well, the judge is going to work with me. He's going to hold my hand and he's going to help me and walk me through the process And that is just the opposite of reality. The judge will not hold your hand. That's not his or her function. Rather, he's going to treat you like an attorney and ask you to comply with his uh, notice to the appellant concerning filing procedures. So once again, your uh, back is against the wall. And you're hit with these deadlines. And that's just what happened in this case that we just got retained on. She had missed deadlines. The judge gave her one extension. She missed the deadlines or came very close to missing the deadlines the second time and then called us and retained our office. And then we jumped in. I assigned a legal team to this case because in our office, we have more than one person assigned to each case we find that the clients sometimes call in when the attorney may be in trial or not available. And so we have a legal team comprised of two or three individuals assigned to each client's case. So our clients are never without somebody to talk to. As you know, the number one complaint that people have about lawyers is that they are unavailable or they do not return phone calls. And that is not the way the Edmonds law firm operates. We, value our clients, and we think customer service is extremely important. And we work with our clients hand in hand. We create a relationship, and uh, we are all working toward the same goal, which is a favorable outcome of the case. And uh, we welcome client comments and input. Uh, We continually remind the client, however, that we are the lawyers on this case, and they are the client. And uh, we have a good uh, symbiotic relationship where uh, we work for the common good. As I said, we've been doing this for 45 years. Uh, We have the system down and uh, we do a very good job of presenting our client's case uh, to the board. 
you should know that uh, there are opportunities along the way to settle these cases. And there's opportunities also to go to mediation in front of another judge. And we represent clients in both of those instances as well. So we not only do Merit Systems Protection Board, but we do every federal agency. And um, we represent people before uh, different uh, tribunals or courts, uh, Department of Energy, the Department of Defense, a lot of the three-letter agencies like the CIA, the FBI, and NSA. And I've said on previous podcasts that some of these judges are more difficult than others. And some of the hearing officers are very, very difficult. And uh, there's not a lot of love uh, being thrown around in these cases. Uh, These courts want to run on an efficient basis, and they simply do not have the time to uh, spend time trying to solicit an individual's cooperation or help them. And some of them get pretty brutal and say, that's not my function. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Uh, You have to go uh, learn this yourself or you have to get an attorney. And in the case that we're discussing, that's exactly what the judge said. He said to our client, "Um, you are not meeting the requirements of my order. I'm going to suspend this case for 30 days. And I strongly urge you to get an attorney. And that's what she did. So, Call us at 800-481-2526. Visit us on Spotify (coughs) or uh, our YouTube channel. Our uh, web address is allenedmonds.com or nationalsecurityclearances.com. There's a wealth of information there. And you can read uh, client comments and uh, client reviews. I hope that uh, this has been meaningful for you. Uh, It is intended to be an alert. I wanted to reach out, uh, so to speak, uh, in a digital format and shake your shoulders and say, this is serious stuff. It can impact not only your job and your career, but it can impact your security clearance if you have one. It can impact uh, many, many other aspects of your professional life. Thank you, and call us again at 800-481-2526 if you have questions.